0: Open Table is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. For more information, visit their blog, Open for Business, at openforbusiness.opentable.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: It's like Tinder, Instagram, Yelp and Pinterest had a food baby today on this episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi. It's one o'clock on Monday afternoon, and that means it's time for Tech Bytes, the weekly radio show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is an app called Foodie. That's not F-O-O-D-I-E. That's P-H-O-O-D-I-E. So you can follow along at home. The really fun thing about today's episode is our guest in studio is Brooklyn Eric. So I'm in Brooklyn with Brooklyn.
2: <laughs> yep, it's always uh, always interesting meeting people in Brooklyn. Try, my friends down here always tell me just introduce myself as like Steve or something like that just to skip the whole uh, <laughs> the whole part where I have to explain my name, but
1: you go by BE or Brook or Lynn?
2: No, it's always always uh, just been Brooklyn. When I was younger, I had some family call me Brooks and family and friends because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too pumped on my name when I was younger. It was kind of too different, I feel like, when I was growing up. So. But then once I got about middle school, I was like, wait a second, my name's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's always nice to grow into coolness with mm. your name. Definitely. So he is out here today to talk about his app, which is Foodie. But before we get into that, we will do like we always do. We'll go around the shipping container and we'll hear from everybody about their favorite apps. First up, we go to Jack Inslee, the show's engineer, the radio station's executive producer, the also sometimes DJ of full service radio <laughs> on the air here on Thursday nights and available for bar mitzvahs and barbecues. Not true. <laughs> Not true what? Not true which part?
0: <laughs> Barbecues. I'll never DJ barbecue. No, I'm kidding. You
1: barbecued a DJ in the backyard at Roberto's. Barbecued
0: a DJ. That,
1: <laughs> you completely did. I have did. never done such a thing. We had a barbecue to launch Heritage Radio Network's yes, new no, website you're, you're and you DJed. Right. It's true. And if I recall correctly, you said it was one of your best sets ever.
0: It really was, actually. Yeah. That's true. Um, well, thanks, Jen, for the intro. It's always <laughs> lovely kicking off the show. Um, my app—I uh, I believe I probably mentioned this app once before. It's—it's it's not a surprise to anybody. It's Airbnb. I'm in the middle of planning a crazy European tour uh, with my girlfriend Odette Hartman. I produced her record Two Two Two, and we are playing gigs in London, in. Across England, uh, Paris, and Iceland, of all places. Iceland? Yes. We have three gigs in Iceland.
1: Reykjavik? Uh,
0: nice. Reykjavik, and then a place called... I'll never be able to pronounce it. It's a small peninsula on the, the western coast. Snaffleness, maybe?
1: Snaffleness?
0: Something, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. So, uh, you know, trying to, like, book accommodations and all these crazy, weird places. Uh, Airbnb's been a real lifesaver. I mean, even even in these weird kind of remote Icelandic spots they have wonderful guest houses and room shares and stuff so basically Airbnb you know the whole tour basically was booked through Airbnb and um, just thankful that it's around these days I can't really imagine trying to do this without a service like Airbnb
1: You know, I don't know if you did Airbnb before. I know you've definitely done Hotels. Hotel
0: Tonight is the other one. Hotel Tonight was the one you were really enamored with. Not such a good look for Iceland, though. (laughs) (laughs) You know?
1: Well, it's also Hotels Tonight when tonight is 24 hours.
0: Correct. Yeah, exactly. That's more of a last-minute thing. Um, I was in D.C. this weekend. I used Hotel Tonight in D.C., So that works when you're like, you know, you're somewhere and you need a hotel that night. But yeah, Airbnb. I mean, the trick is here. I always, you know, I only book spots that have like a lot of reviews.
1: Well, that was going to be my question. If the user reviews and ratings are important to you. hundred
0: percent, because especially in a remote, weird place like the west of Iceland, you know, you see this like weird farmhouse with zero reviews and you're like, I don't know. But you that see something, legit. yeah, that legit. Right, exactly. Yeah, sure, <laughs> looks safe. But you see something with 150 reviews, and it's a bunch of people like, yeah, we're a couple. We stayed; it was amazing. The host was so great. Then you know, you kind of feel like you can't go wrong.
1: I would also recommend that while you are booking on Airbnb, you do a little look through Instagram because there are a lot of mm. people who I follow who have stayed in great Airbnb spots in Upstate New York, in Paris, and London when they travel. And you'd be surprised at how many great apartments and venues you can find through your social network on things like Instagram. Because people t- tend to post, you know, the humble brag, look at my amazing oh, apartment yeah. in <laughs> totally. Paris, I'm eating croissant right now. I'm sure
0: I'll be doing that too.
1: <laughs> while you're on the L train.
0: <laughs> humble brag. That'll be me this Hashtag summer. Hashtag not yep. sorry. Yep. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Okay, Airbnb. Well, you're going to be checking in from the road while you're on your world tour, right?
0: I will. I can't wait to send over all of my interviews with uh, Icelandic chefs. It'll be fun.
1: Well, you know what, Jack? I am going to, since you're going to Paris, go back to one of my earlier apps, which I did talk about in, I believe, the Epicurious episode last year. Lingo Look, which is a language flashcard app, which is native to your phone, so you don't need expensive Wi-Fi or internet connection. They have one for French. It's super charming and it will show you pictures of things. It has words and phrases written in French, written in English, but then you can tap it and it will say the sentence in the phrase. So if you're, you know, in a shop and you want a size twelve or a size six or where's the key, you know, all those different kinds of things, you can tap it and someone can listen to it. Wow. As well as look at it. So it's really charming. What's the name of the app again? Lingo Look. Nice. I I used the China one when I went to Shanghai on the Apple video shoot. And it was helpful because my Chinese is, my Mandarin is not up to par. (laughs) (laughs) Malcolm, the intern, do you have an app for us today?
3: I do have an app for you today. Um, the app I found is called Ummo, derived from the filler word um. And it's basically um, a $2 iPhone app that works as a personal speech coach. So it times your, um, so it's for like if you're giving a speech or doing a presentation for something.
1: Or a radio show. Or
3: a radio show. Any, you, anyone can use this. It gives you the time. It, like It times it. It counts your words, it checks your pace, your volume, but most, impo- most importantly, it counts how many filler words you use, oh. so words such as um, uh, like, so. you know, man, so, all those words, and um, <laughs> I could use the app <laughs> right now. Um, so yeah, that's what it does. It's, it's a great app, actually. I might get it because I go to a presentation-based high school and it could really help me.
1: Presentation-based high school. What does that mean for those of us who are
3: So beyond? My, my school doesn't do tests, like standardized tests, such as the regents. Instead, we do these things called um, graduation requirements, where you do research on a topic based on the class, and then you have to present it to a panel of teachers and parents, and it's all verbal. And uh, So, yeah, it's pretty tough. But with an app like this, I feel like I could do really well on that.
1: So instead of sitting down at a desk with a paper test and a number two lead pencil, you basically do a thesis defense like you do for a exactly. master's yeah, or Yeah, exactly PhD. that.
3: They love, for example, for my uh, history class, I did a, um, a, a paper slash presentation on like Rodney King and the Los Angeles riots. So better than a test, I think.
1: That's fascinating. Hmm. That's a really interesting look at what's happening in education today and sounds like actually pretty good preparation for life because so much of your success is going to be based on how well you present yourself in person and how articulate and smart you are
3: yeah i always say you never take a test after college so
1: well i don't know if i agree with that but great app okay you think it might be worth the two bucks then Two bucks is a lot in Appland.
3: It is a lot in Appland, but for sure. Because you'd have to pay, like, if you wanted the same results, you'd have to pay, like, a speech coach, like, hundreds of dollars an hour.
1: Okay. Can you spell the name of the app for us again?
3: Yeah, it's U-M-M-O.
1: Okay. And is it iPhone?
3: I believe it's for iPhone, probably Android, Do we know definitively? No. Okay. But definitely iPhone and iPad.
1: Wonderful. Good one. That's a good one, Malcolm. You're bringing some good apps. So, Brooklyn, do you have a favorite app now that you like? And you cannot talk about Foodie because we're going to spend (laughs) the next half hour talking about Foodie. Is there an app you like, an old favorite, something you use all the time?
2: I mean, I feel like pretty much just social apps, to be honest. Um, I've I've been so wrapped up in my own app that I haven't really explored too many lately. Um, But... As mentioned earlier, Airbnb, I've been on that a lot lately. I've been traveling a lot. I'll be in Asia all of June, and I booked all my accommodation in Asia all on Airbnb. Um, so that, that's been probably the one I've used the most lately, outside of the typical kind of social network stuff.
1: Booking on Airbnb in foreign countries sounds simultaneously amazing and efficient and also frightening. Yeah, are you apprehensive at all about Airbnb bookings in China?
2: Not really. I kind of uh, – so I'll be in – I'm I'm only going to be in Hong Kong. Um, so I do I, – I'm going to Tokyo, from Tokyo to Seoul, Seoul to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Vietnam, Vietnam to Singapore, and Singapore to the Philippines. So I'm in Hong Kong for like four days. Um, but each Airbnb that I booked, I, I reached out to the people beforehand and kind of had a little bit of conversation – through the app and uh so I felt like I had a little bit of understanding and you know they were all super friendly and able to speak English and recommend places and a couple of them were actually going to go they're going to show me some restaurants around the city kind of thing so Nice. It's been yeah, it's been pretty good.
1: So it sounds like your Asia tour is going to I mean just based on the destinations it sounds like it's a combination of fundraising and potential tech support production customer service back end.
2: Yeah, it's uh all that, I'd say.
1: Yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, a lot of the, what people probably don't know is that there's a lot of back-end tech and customer service happening in the Philippines mm-hmm. and in parts of China and other parts of Asia.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I know a bunch of people all over the place from my music days and DJing and uh, kind of reach back out to all them because, you know, being in nightlife, they're also very connected within food and beverage in their respective cities, so... Um, reach back out and everyone was really receptive and was able to kind of it all it all happened pretty quickly we just kind of booked it a month ago but setting up kind of official little launch parties in each place um, dinners all that sort of stuff so I'm excited it's gonna be great It's gonna be a fun trip
1: Airbnb and you too can profit from the lingo look app because they have versions in Chinese and Japanese oh nice Japanese was the first one I downloaded when they first published back in I think 2009. They were one of the first apps for iPhone when the iPhone came out, and I'm a huge uh, fan of all things Japanese and loved the app. Even though I didn't have a trip on the horizon, I would just download it mm-hmm. and hit it every now and again, so I could just hear it say, oishi. <laughs> yeah, I'll
2: definitely have to download that one then.
1: Brent, do you have an app for us this week?
4: Yeah, I've been using Audible a lot.
1: Okay.
4: Um, I'm kind of late on it. I feel like everyone else knew about it well in advance, but it's been really great to catch up with some books that I had started and then put down because they were a little too daunting or too big to travel with. So it's been a lot of fun. I just finished listening to A Brief History of Seven Killings, which was, I, I started to read it and it was just, it was too much. And I put it down and it's been great.
1: So Audible is billed as the Netflix for audiobooks ah. and had a huge PR campaign running through Facebook and other social media. So you, it's an app, but you have to pay for the service?
4: Yeah, you have to pay. It's a subscription-based service.
1: Okay. And is it for iPhone and Android?
4: I believe so. I'm and, using it on iPhone.
1: And what's the subscription rate?
4: Uh, I've been grandfathered in by a corporate account, so... I'm kind of poaching. Audible. So, Jack,
1: do you <laughs> feel as strongly about copyright and licensing poaching for books as you do for music, bootlegging and pirating? What do you think?
0: Uh, that's a tricky question. Oh. How do I answer that? Because
1: um, you called me a, a, pirate, a music pirate last week. I did. So?
0: Yeah. I mean. What's the difference? I mean. There is no difference.
1: Exactly. No okay no good. i'm glad i'm glad we're I'm glad we're not situational no and no. that we're clear no, we're clear excellent <laughs> so on to foodie it's like Tinder Instagram, Yelp and Pinterest had a food baby, which is a very catchy tagline that <laughs> accompanied the foodie Instagram marketing campaign, as you may have gathered from the conversation thus far brooklyn eric is a dj who traveled the world as djs do Mm -hmm. as we know jack (laughs) (laughs) and found one of the best parts of his dj experience was connecting with people in the different cities and discovering food and going to eat and all those kinds of great things and he wanted a way to combine a lot of different things and wasn't really feeling that the existing platforms out there were doing the job. So he came up with Foodie and is in what we'll call the bootstrapping phase of his startup. Mm -hmm. He was in New York City wrangling some potential investors, maybe moving into Series A. And I guess my question to you to just start off is, you know, so much of the startup and, and app and tech world really is based out of people wanting something that they don't find and thinking they can build it and then make it successful. Yeah. Was it such a strong feeling that you needed to connect with people in Hong Kong about where to find dumplings that you stopped everything and built an app?
2: Uh, I think it was more for me. I I felt like I, I had spent all these years traveling and trying all these new foods and meeting all these new people and, both in restaurants and you know kind of home-cooked meals and I just I wasn't I didn't have really it was only the memories that I had of it I guess and I did I wasn't really big into posting food on Instagram to be honest I never uh it wasn't like a photography thing for me and so it always seemed kind of kind of pointless like you couldn't do anything with it and people I did follow that were posting lots of pictures on Instagram if I wanted to try that I would screenshot it and you know I'd have all these screenshots kind of filling up my phone and then would end up just deleting them anyway. So um, really wanted one kind of spot where you could, um, you know, search for restaurants or search for recipes and easily save things you want to try and also at the same time connect with people. Um, so it wasn't, I guess, all about the food, but all about bringing people together through food, um, which is kind of, you know, where the I guess the Tinder part comes in with swiping for things that you want to save. And
1: I initially thought the Tinder piece was that, it was a dating app for foodies. And I actually got really excited about that because I I haven't seen exactly a dating app for foodies. Right. And you were about to be sitting in the shipping container with the hosts from a great show on the network called love bites Uh where they are two single dating foodies. And Uh I was like, you got to come on and talk about this dating app. But the Tinder reference is not about the, social connection it's about the user manipulation of swipe right swipe left for things you like and don't like
2: right yeah it's been funny that uh the ad that you spoke about has gotten such such a good reaction i think just because people are like wait a second is is this a dating app for for foodies or is it a because it says a social network for foodies on it but um it's been kind of funny in that aspect And, and who knows maybe uh maybe the dating is already happening from it i don't know but um, that That wasn't the intention. it was um, yeah, just kind of a, an easy way to save things for later.
1: So I'm very curious about what that what that single sort of piece of inspiration, determination, or confidence is that took you from "I would love to have this thing to "I'm making this thing," mm-hmm. because you're not in the tech world, you're not a developer, you're not. A foodie or in the food media world or in the marketing world or any of the professions that kind of stack up under what's required to put your app together and build it. I mean, Jack is about to go out on tour and is probably going to come back and call in with something like, I wish this app existed to fill in the blank, but it's a pretty big chasm to get from ardent wishing to creating a business and doing it.
2: Right. Yeah, for me, it was uh, after my my music career, um, I worked at NASA Ames out in California for about a year. Um, So I went to school for electrical engineering, so I'd never done software stuff before. Um, But while working at NASA, I was in the small spacecraft division, and all of a sudden I was kind of around all these people doing software engineering. And so ended up taking a few classes and kind of right away... Um, saw how powerful software engineering could be I just I loved the idea that if I had an idea I could open my laptop and start it right away um, So started taking classes and trying to brainstorm ideas Didn't really know if I was going to make an app or a website or something But I just enjoyed uh, learning about software engineering And then came up with the idea for Foodie Started building it and I think when I realized I, I might kind of be on to something was when I started telling friends and family about the idea and people were like, wait, that, that doesn't already exist. That isn't already out there. And I was like, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's something here. So I took more classes, ended up, uh, started online and then ended up taking classes in person and took me about a year to, uh, to finish it. Um, and then once we launched, it was almost immediate, kind of, uh, the, the reaction was, you know, pretty positive right away. Um, and then my, my current business partner, um, his name's Jeffrey Nikolai, He was, uh, he's a corporate attorney, started his own law firm in California, started talking to him about it. And he was just, right away, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I won't, I'll do this as well. So he's my business partner, and uh, we've kind of just hit the ground running with it. We got into the uh, the startup spotlight at South by Southwest in March, and that was uh, that was kind of you know when it was when it was really on. After that, I guess because we got a lot of good exposure there and met a lot of good people, and it's kind of what's enabled I guess springboarded us to having as many as many downloads as we have in these first few months.
1: So, you had a background in science. Yes. As you said that you ha- you studied electrical. electrical engineering, so that's what you did in university right. while you were getting your DJ thing and then right. you went into DJ and electrical engineering got left by yep. and then you picked it back up. Correct. So the practical science background and then you reengaging in that is what led you to the practical skills of learning about software development and coding and all of that to right. then making the jump from... Your mom thought it was an amazing idea to, look, look, mom, I built built the thing. Yep. Look what I coded.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, and again, it was kind of one of those, I kept getting the reaction, like, that's not already out there. There were so many other apps that um, were food-related but were kind of based on reviews, and that was one thing I didn't really enjoy about, I guess, a lot of the other apps was I I didn't want to create another place where people were sharing things that they didn't like, um, so we kind of purposely left off the review part, and I think it's been that's, that's been my favorite part of it all is everything that I've seen so far on Foodie has been so positive and um, just all, always in such a good light. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how that part's gone.
1: One thing that I've observed is that people who work in professions where their work is reviewed either professionally by critics or from the armchair by the public, writers... Chefs, musicians, Mm -hmm. DJs, people who are subject to critical review tend to want to create things that have a positive space. And I've observed that it's the public who's never, ever really critically reviewed or doesn't have their profession, life and business determined by critical reviews who are the most voracious and the most enthusiastic about wanting to and posting right. reviews, particularly negative ones. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's an interesting um, break that's pretty uh, consistent, I think, across the board.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. I never, never thought about it in that aspect, yeah. but definitely I, have, I had my fair share of one-star reviews when I was starting as a DJ, I'm sure, so...
1: So on that note, we're going to go for some five-star DJ reviews on our break. We're going to listen to some music by Jack and find out who our amazing sponsor is.
0: This one actually called Snow Crash by Rectech. We'll be right back on Tech Bytes. is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. OpenTable is home to the world's largest dining network, seating over 17 million diners every month. Their technology solutions help restaurants run and grow their businesses. That means providing memorable hospitality to every guest, streamlining front-of-house operations, and optimizing seating to seat more diners and drive more business. Chefs, restaurateurs, and other industry professionals can find more tips and best practices for running a successful restaurant on their blog, Open for Business, at openforbusiness.opentable.com.
1: Well, if you just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that technology is a little app called Foodie. It's a social network for foodies. It's spelled P-H-O-O-D-I-E. And I'm assuming that's because Foodie with an F was already taken?
2: Yeah, it, it, and uh, you know, it's based on photography, so...
1: The oh, with a
2: ph okay um, yeah it's
1: photography f- plus foodie
2: mm-hmm. yeah so we uh and definitely foodie with an f is already used quite a bit um but that was uh, i guess kind of two reasons for doing it with the with the ph
1: also part of the startup game creative spelling because URLs, social media handles, and app names have already been snapped up.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's interesting that you note that it's PH for photography because it is a photography-based app, Mm -hmm. and it is billed as Tinder, Instagram, Yelp, and Pinterest, all rolled up into one. With the bonus of recipes, which don't fit into the Tinder, Instagram, Yelp, and Pinterest piece, we talked... when. Brooklyn and I spoke over the weekend about the show. We talked about who his potential competitors are. And one that we thought about was food spotting, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have quite the recipe components. And I thought about it a little bit more over the weekend, and I came up with Food Stand. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with the Food Stand app? I'm not. Mm -mm. Okay. You might want to check it out. We did a great show, um, episode 51, with the CEO and founder, Rachna Govani. Food Stand is is a similar app, although they have a very... Social enterprise component okay. to them. They're really interested in moving our food lives forward with a very specific intent of fixing some of the problems. Oh, but, cool. you know, that's all under the hood. On the surface, it's people posting pictures of food, restaurants, there's recipes, it's a community. Cool. It's all that kind of stuff. So, that to me, after thinking about if there were really any competitors. The right. recipe element, I think, being something that's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foodstand was the one that I came up with. So you might want to listen to that episode and check them out. Yeah, definitely. So recipes, having that recipe component seemed to be something that was important to you, which was a little bit of a surprise because I don't imagine as a traveling DJ you do that much cooking.
2: I, I actually do. Um, not, uh, not, you know, obviously as much when I'm traveling, but when, uh, when I'm at home, I do enjoy cooking. Um, And that was something, again, i looking for recipes and things like that on Instagram. A, I could never really save them. And B, it's if they did have a recipe, it was kind of long and clunky because they have to type it all out kind of in that space and it's cut off and all that. So I wanted just kind of an easy, clean way to be able to add recipes. Um, And I think that's one thing we've seen so far as well, that people are sort of one or the other almost all the time where they're either posting pictures when they're out to eat or they do recipes and um, I've definitely used it for both and there are people that use it for both but I feel like you know 90% of the time within the app so far people either do one or the other pretty exclusively
1: you're pretty confident this is going to be successful
2: I am I have I have uh, it's been such a good start and such such good feedback that um, it ought to be already kind of feels like it's not mine anymore there's a you know it's this community has grown so fast out of it and now my job is just to to keep it keep it running and keep uh new features coming and we're constantly you know um looking for feedback and want want to know what people like and don't like so it's uh that's been that's been the best part for me so far for sure
1: so going into your first round of funding what types of growth and goals are you looking towards over the course of the next six months,
2: um, a big goal for us was to hit. We wanted to hit fifty uh, thousand downloads before I left for Asia, and we've done that. Um, so we still got you know the rest of this month before I go.
1: Is there something magical about fifty thousand? Is that Not- a, is that a benchmark for investors? Did some other super successful app hit fifty thousand downloads at a certain point in their life cycle?
2: No, it was all just kind of uh I guess what we wanted to do. Like we felt like we were on pace and growing and not stale if we could get to, to this point where we're at. And then the big goal after I'm when I come back from Asia, so we wanna wanted me to leave with fifty thousand and then by the time I get back we have a hundred thousand. So um we obviously have a lot of a lot of marketing coming up to uh to make that happen.
1: Now when you say fifty thousand downloads and then a hundred thousand downloads total mm-hmm. do you make a distinction between active users and downloads
2: um, yeah, we definitely do in the uh, in the investor meetings, but for us, just kind of as an overall goal with community growth, it's just based on downloads um, and this has all been the only thing we've done so far is that Instagram ad. Um, So we're going to kind of explore some other avenues. Obviously, it's good for me to be doing radio shows and things like that. And any of the other other types of press that we can get are only going to help.
1: Instagram has been around for a very short period of time, but it's still one of the fastest growing social media apps. Mm -hmm. It's still very easy. There's still... Um, growing, they just recently last week released a brand new look and feel, and the logo changed, and some new features yeah. and filters and that kind of thing. So, I guess a two-part question to you: One is, are you do you feel obligated to then update the photo element of Foodie when Instagram and other photography-driven apps upgrade there? offering is that you sort of have to keep a pace with the joneses if you want to be in that space um not, did you all go oh my god instagram just totally raised the bar again we got to get those guys in the philippines right. on some new filters <laughs>
2: <laughs> no um, all of our stuff is still done uh the uh, the guys we use it's a little company called the soap collective out of san francisco um who are far better engineers than i am and so they're able to update things pretty quickly and they actually we, we live in pretty much the same neighborhood. so, um, But I think we're still so new that we're not too worried about like any logo changes or anything like that. But the biggest feedback we've got is that people want, A, the Android version, um, but B, video as well because video is becoming such a big thing. So that's kind of our... Uh, our next big rollout will be will be the video component, and I think that's a, that'll really be a good kind of selling point for a lot of the Current foodies on Instagram once they're able to have uh, video capabilities on foodie
1: So then tell us how you balance your priority list in terms of moving your company forward between what investors want to see, and what you want to see in terms of gross numbers, number of downloads, number of active users, and then up against that, the requests and feedback from your users how do, do are they so far? the same things are they matching up and making it easy to move forward or is there a conflict between what investors want to see and what your users want to see one thing that i've observed a lot with startups is that as soon as you have investors in the game mm-hmm. investors typically have a pretty strong point of view about what they think is going to work be good right. be you know something distinctive ownable and i have seen a lot of startups uh, change their point of view or their perspective or their strategies and are very malleable mm-hmm. by the influence of an investor because they want the money. Right. And the investors are typically successful people with a lot of money Right. from one industry or another. So, and then of course you have your users who, you know, you want to satisfy because they're on it and you want them to use it more. So. Right. How do those two pieces match up for you as a founder and a CEO trying to roll your business forward?
2: Um, I think for us, it's been we're, we're a lot more focused on users and keeping the users happy right now. Um, we're we're in a good spot where we've been able to get into these meetings pretty early, um, but we're not desperate for the money. So it's uh, we're kind of staying true to our vision and how we, so I guess our goal would be to you know, keep confirming and proving our vision to the investors to, and they definitely do differ from what, you know, investors that they, they want to see the numbers, like what's retention, like what's the uh, MAUs and DAUs and all that fun stuff, um, which have been, can you good. tell
1: us what those mean?
2: The monthly active users, daily active users, um, are all
1: very important in the, in the, in the food tech startup world.
2: Right, right. Very important. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, we're in a good position that, you know, we've kind of, uh, uh Confirmed our initial ideas, I guess, that we thought this was something that could be something. And so we're in these meetings and, you know, they might have ideas if, you know, if we put X amount of dollars in, then we want to go this way. And if that's not something I guess we see as the, the future vision of Foodie and not the community feedback that we're getting, then we're going we're gonna to continue to try and, I guess, change their mind as opposed to just taking the first, uh, first check that's written and moving in their direction.
1: Are you considering at all looking into becoming a part of uh, your past the incubator stage? Mm-hmm. Are you interested or considering looking at some of the accelerators? Do you not want to give up percentage of the of the company yet? Or have yeah. you thought about it? Especially because you're primarily based in San Francisco. Right. And San Francisco is a hotbed yeah. of accelerators. <laughs> there's, no so,
2: there's no shortage. <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've explored a lot of options. And I think for us, it's... Uh, more than just having investors we want the right investors we want people that are going to be able to plug us into other social channels there's you know lots of people that are are writing checks especially in the food tech world it's it's growing like crazy Um, not that it's easy to get funding because it is very difficult but for us it's important to to have the right kind of investors that you know, whether it's a, a, a group or one one VC firm is, I guess, still to be determined. But we definitely want to have people that are able to plug us into to different avenues. And, you know, if they have media connections where they say, okay, we're going to give you this investment, but then in the next week, you're going to be in every big food magazine and all that kind of stuff. That's a lot more appealing to us than, you know, someone that just wants to, to write the check and I guess kind of hover over us if you will
1: (laughs) (laughs) micromanage yeah (laughs) it can be uh frustrating yeah in your game plan six months 12 months two years is your game plan to build do you have dreams of being a unicorn company do you have an exit strategy where all of a sudden then open table buys you Mm -hmm. and you retire and go on to the next one are are you so entrenched in what you're doing right now that you don't have the exit strategy fantasies yet?
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the exit. I think the exit strategy fantasies are always there when you live in San Francisco. Um, I know you know so many people that have been in that position, and have had it happen. Um, that it's definitely something. You know, I get asked all the time, like, "Oh, so when are you going to sell this thing?" When you and that's that's not really our focus right now. It's been such a, a fun experience watching it grow, and I think um, we can really see where it's going has the potential to go um, so I think if we we keep focusing on you know keeping the community happy and keeping it growing that the other stuff will kind of fall in place and we'll worry about it when it happens
1: you're still planning on becoming a unicorn company though right definitely <laughs> <laughs> i'm I'd like to circle back and talk about your Instagram marketing campaign Instagram mm-hmm. is In such a short period of time, such a fascinating social media platform. We've talked about it on this show on a number of episodes Mm -hmm. from the really profound impact it's having on restaurants, Mm -hmm. from how customers look for places to go, what they demand sometimes when they walk into a restaurant, how chefs are creating food so that it looks good on Instagram and how... Korea was the first country to clone the cronut because they saw it on Instagram. So it's still growing. They're still evolving. It's got a huge number of people. And for the food world, it it has a tremendous impact. So I would love for you to walk us through how you decided to do that as your marketing and what your experience was and how you did it. Because the other piece to that, which is also fascinating, that we as Instagram users don't really get to hear as much about on the day-to-day is ultimately Instagram has to make money. And the way they're going to make money is two ways. One, selling, advertising, and marketing. And two, having the huge data pile that they have with Mm -hmm. all their users. We don't really think about it on the day-to-day how valuable that data is, which is a lot of the power of most of the social media platforms. So walk us through your whole Instagram campaign. And if you folks haven't seen it, I would take a look at at foodie life, um, because it's really, really charming. The yeah. graphics and the campaign.
2: Yeah, we have, uh, I spoke to you a little bit about them earlier, but, uh, our designers are these, uh, they're named Jason and Adam. I'm sure they're listening right now, but they've just been, uh, yeah, they've made all of our, all of our Instagram ads look, uh, look perfect. Really. It's, uh, it's had a, such a good feel that, you know, we didn't want to have an Instagram ad where we're posting food pictures because, that kind of deters from, you know, what I guess what we're trying to do. We want the food to be posted on foodie. Um, so we've kind of taken a really creative approach and just tried to have fun with the ads, um, both the paid ads and then just what we're posting every day.
1: How did you pick Instagram as the marketing platform to spend your money on?
2: Um, for me, it was, it was what I knew from the music world. Um, you know, it was, uh, I think, one of the more difficult things you can do is try and promote yourself as you know your, i was the brand and you know listen to my music sort of thing um so it, it it was almost quite a bit easier for me to promote this this entity this company because it wasn't putting myself necessarily right out there in uh in the light to for those one star reviews if you will mm-hmm. um but yeah we tested out if you paid a few paid uh Paid Instagram ads right away, and it was immediate. The one that's, uh, you know, it's like Tinder, Yelp, Pinterest, Instagram (laughs) had a food baby. It was That was the front runner. People were reacting to that. And the downloads that were coming from that ad were, they've been like less than a dollar the whole time we've ran them, which is pretty pretty good um, user acquisition rate. So, and we also knew there was a big food community already there. um, So we didn't really have to go, you know. I I don't use Pinterest a ton. I've gone there for recipes and that sort of thing. I know there is a lot of food there, but it just seemed like as months went on, there was just more and more food on Instagram, and it just felt like a good spot to really really see if if Foodie was going to, Going to do anything It was a good place To test it
1: Did you ever consider Facebook at any point
2: We did And we've done uh, Facebook campaigns And they haven't been As uh, Had As much of a reaction As the Inst- We've ran the exact Same ad On both Instagram And Facebook And uh, the reaction From the Instagram One has been Like tenfold better Than uh, what we've had On Facebook
1: So just to give Listeners a sense Of what it costs To do a campaign On Instagram Just because Again We don't really know that much about what it is. Most people, I think, have seen on Facebook, when you're in there tooling around, there's all these little boxes and buttons that pop up that say, for $5, you can promote your post and Mm -hmm. promote this and promote that. So we know that the threshold financially is pretty low on Facebook to do something. Mm -hmm. We don't know necessarily what the response rate is going to be. But in, in broad terms, or just ballpark, you know, because I don't want you to, you know, be too revealing about the inner workings of your Mm -hmm. (laughs) your company finances but as a ballpark what are we talking about to get in to do what sounds like was a successful marketing campaign on instagram
2: yeah instagram is really nice because you can and facebook as well but instagram is uh you can really tailor it to whatever your budget is so you can set a daily budget a weekly budget you can set it up that it's going to only run for seven days, or you can leave it open ending and open ended, and so it's uh it's it's really kind of whatever you want to put into it. So we tested it at first with you know a small like it was like fifty dollars a day budget, um, and it would obviously hit that pretty quick. And then like we've we've bumped it up to as much as like a thousand bucks a day, where we'll see because then if you if you're willing to spend a thousand bucks a day, that gets you in front of a lot more people. So um, you know, you're going to obviously spend a lot more money, but the the people, your total reach is, can be in the millions from something like that. Um, so there's, it's really, you can customize it as much as you want really to tailor kind of whatever you need. So that's, what's really nice about running the Instagram ads.
1: So it sounds like once you get in there and you lo- start looking at the dashboard to set up your campaign, it's, Low monetary investment mm-hmm. and then a lot of flexibility to mm-hmm. customize it to what you want. And it sounds like you were smart about testing out the different images and the different posts yeah. to see which ones which ones were the biggest hits.
2: Yeah, we started off uh, when we f- we launched in December was when we first got a, um, accepted to the app store. So it was right before Christmas and we, I think we ran like six or seven ads all at the same time. Um, to see which ones would have the best kind of reaction. Like I said, it was kind of just a simple one with our logo that immediately took off. Um, so we've used that one pretty much exclusively ever since.
1: Have you gotten any feedback that says, hey, where's the Tinder part?
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had a lot of that. And it's uh, it, it's pre- it's pretty quick. It's, uh, it's always funny. People are kind of laughing about it. What's the Tinder part? How do, how do I date someone from this? But then you kind of explain to them that, you know, that's the... I guess the swipe right to save and it's it's the,
1: the user tech piece yeah yeah not the expanding your circle of friends right piece. <laughs> so we are out of time believe it or not it went by really uh, quickly and at did. the end of every show I always like to ask my guests for a little piece of actionable advice for our listeners but I'm going to do something a little bit different this time there's a little bit of a kind of weird coincidence here in that you, Brooklyn, are a DJ mm-hmm. and you're doing a food tech app and you had your big break at South by Southwest and mm-hmm. you're about to go off on an international tour. Our engineer DJ, Jack Inslee, had big music debut at South by Southwest this year also nice. and is now about to embark on a big international world tour. Also, his first international DJ tour. Nice. So my piece of advice from Brooklyn is going to be especially for you Jack nice. Brooklyn
0: whoa I had a reverb on there
1: I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> nice. what's your best advice to Jack going on an international DJ tour for the first time to get the most and have the best trip experience and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the club with the music or it doesn't necessarily have to be the tech and the food Knowing what you know what 's your advice to him going out on heading out on the road to have the best international music tour ever
2: um, my first big tour I, I it was lots of coffee and no sleep, and I was so glad I did it that way because um, for me I was like i wasn 't sure I was like, am I ever going to get back? am I ever going to do this again? This could be my only tour you know nothing's kind of set in stone so I was uh I was lots of coffee and very little sleep and I'll never forget that first tour because of that. I was kind of always out meeting people whether it was by myself or with my tour manager or whatever it was. I was always out doing something as long as things were open. <laughs> so and uh, that was a uh, yeah, kind of a a first tour that I'll never forget. So don't sleep.
0: That's an awesome <laughs> tip. I'm totally with it. I love so, that.
1: So then I will say to all of our Tech Bites listeners Jack needs coffee shop recommendations (laughs) in Iceland, Paris, London, and UK expanded. So if you're listening, you need to email, text, tweet, Instagram us. We're at TechBytesHRN on Twitter and Instagram. TechBytesHRN at Gmail is our email address. Jack needs coffee shop recos, coffee shop recos, cafes, 24 hours,
0: late night spots
1: in Reykjavik. And yeah. what's the little place in Iceland?
0: Oh my goodness. Sna- sna- <laughs> snaffleness.
1: And the best cup of coffee in snaffleness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You need to bring back some sort of tchotchke that says snaffleness, yeah. <laughs> to, put in the, snaffleness. to put in the container here somewhere.
0: Oh, I'll be bringing tons of stuff back. Yeah, for the
1: maybe container. we need like a snaffle in baseball cap to put on the boar's head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks for the tip, though. That's great. Yeah, for sure.
1: So, Brooklyn, Eric... First-time tech entrepreneur. He's got an app called Foodie, P-H-O-O-D-I-E. It's a great story. It's really interesting. It sounds like you have some momentum. It was great talking with you, and I hope you'll think about coming back maybe in a couple months. Yeah, definitely. Maybe after your world tour and let us know. Maybe after you hit your Series A round of funding. It's always interesting to be able to have an up-close look at how these... Food tech businesses evolve We hear so much about it in the news But getting sort of the behind the scenes story Is always really interesting and a lot of fun So thank you for sharing Thanks for having me If you liked this show come back and see us next week On Mondays at 1pm If you loved it go to iTunes Subscribe, download, give us a 5 star review If you can't live without it Go to heritageradionetwork.org Click the beating heart And give us a couple bucks so we can make more radio